Thank you for joining the Fastest Known Podcast. Today's date is April 27th. With the rapidly changing times, I like to give the date. But boy, some things haven't changed too much. And that's my guest who we're about to talk to. My gosh, you should see this guy's bio. It would take 20 hours just to read the headlines. And so we're not going to do that. We're going to hit on a few highlights. And I am speaking with Marshall Ulrich. Welcome, Marshall. Well, thanks for having me, Buzz. Uh, we go back a, a while, I'd say 20, 25 years, maybe, maybe 30 years even. So it's, we, uh, we go back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was before the fastest known time existed. It was just good old records. And and you kind of kicked the fastest known time thing off. And congratulations for doing that. Well, thanks, Marsh. And of course, like you said, we were doing it long before there was a term. We're going to get into that. We're also going to get into the fact that you are the author of two books. Uh, back in 2010, you ran across the country. The name of that book is Running on Empty. And now you just have a new book out called Both Feet on the Ground. So let's just mention Both Feet on the Ground right now before we get into some of these other amazing things you've done. So what's up? What's this book about? Well, this this book, what I do is I, I frame the whole book with, uh, with the elements, you know, fire, air, water and earth. And with each one of those segments, I tell little stories. And of course, earth is being about grounding and uh, where our food sources are and things like that. Fire is about Death Valley and some of the stories and air, of course, is about Mount Everest and, you know, some of the other things that I've done. Uh, in the rarefied air. So uh, what I try and do is encourage people in the book to put down their gadgets and get outside. And it's about reconnecting with nature and, you know, how that can heal you. And there's a lot of scientific evidence that uh, I put in the book also. You mean everything doesn't have to be on Strava? That's right. Uh, yeah. You oh, my know. gosh. This, this is a little yeah. radical, Marsh. Yeah. I mean, you sure yeah. you want to come out and say something like that? Yeah. You know, I'm not too much into gadgets. I, uh, if you're looking, I'm looking at my watch right, right now, and it's got, uh, you know, just the good old-fashioned, uh, you know, numerical dial, and, and that's it. So that's, that's what <laughs> I use. Kind of run by the seat of my pants, if you will. Well, very clearly noting that the titles for both books and where to purchase them will be in the written show notes. So definitely people go to the written show notes on the website and check in there and you can read more about Marshall and definitely get the links to his website and where to purchase these books. Well, Marshall, you've gotten a heck of a lot done here. So just a couple quickies over 129 ultra and adventure races that's kind of a lot. And you also did the seven summits, including Mount Everest, each time on your first try. And again, this list is two pages long. And you've you've done this saying, I don't really like gadgets. So here here's this amazing question, Marshall. How have you done all these amazing, huge projects? Well, you know, it's I've been doing them for quite some time. And it, it's really nothing. I don't look at them as being extraordinary. In fact, uh, there are very few times when I was even out there trying to set any record, with the exception of maybe, you know, bad water. Um, I was very much into trying to set records early on with that. But 
what I was doing more was just out there kind of kicking back and having some, you know, good fun, trying to prove to people that they could do more. Um, good example of that, take, for instance, is people used to joke about doing Leadville and Pikes Peak on uh, the same weekend. And I thought to myself, well, why not go out and do it? So, you know, it's kind of like that. I just wanted to be more creative. And that's what, what fueled me on to do and accomplish some of these things. That really reminds me of something a friend told me when I when Peter and I were doing the yeah. record on the Colorado Trail. A friend yeah. said, "This is this stuck with me, and that you just reminded me of it." People who are hardcore do not think they are, no, because what they're doing is normal. You see what I mean? If someone thinks they're hardcore, they're probably not, <laughs> because they see it as something different. And I think you exemplify that little saying. Yeah. Well, and it's also the people we hang around with. So, you know, it's kind of a new norm of sorts. Uh, you know, we were just talking about, you know, my friend Mark Macy, and he's done extraordinary things. And him and I did all, well, we did eight of the eco challenges. And, um, you know, we were just out doing it for the fun of it. It was just good fun. And we didn't think of it as anything extraordinary. You are one of the three people in the world to have completed all nine eco-challenges. Wow, that's uh, eco-challenges. That's a bit of work there. But you mentioned bad water. And Marshall, one of the things you... Oh man, Sorry to be chuckling, but one of the things you told me about years ago, you went... You did bad water unsupported. Now, a lot of people are just, you know, riding by the... Running by the side of the road or jogging or walking by the side of the road with someone hosing them down every 30 minutes from the Winnebago. But you went from Badwater, lowest point in North America, to Whitney in July, carrying all your own water. Yeah, and to be fair, it wasn't carrying it. I had it on sort of a rickshaw type of cart. And I think there was probably a couple of hundred pounds. I can't remember what it was, but the card itself <laughs> weighed about 220 pounds that I was pulling. But, uh, you know, Buzz, I did that on a bed also. Uh, one of the guys who had crewed me, he said, well, you know, what's next? And uh, we started just kind of chuckling and stuff. And yeah, I wonder if a person could really take everything they need from the lowest point to the highest point. So, you know, it's 146 miles in the heat. And you know, as you know, everything has to be done in July or August for any of those times to count. So uh, it, uh, I just looked at it as a challenge. And I actually failed the first time, but came back, I guess, a half dozen years later and uh, was able to, to pull it off. So, um, yeah, I just did it on a bet. <laughs> well, pulling a 220-pound cart, that's, uh, I mean, that's truly unsupported. Now, you told me at the time how many gallons of water he had in there. I don't remember. You probably don't remember either, but that's getting it done. You, you're the 20-time bad water finisher. Right. Yeah. And so this year, what I'm, I'm hoping to do, and you know, of course, it depends on whether or not they open the park up, but uh, I'd like to do my 30th crossing because uh, I started doing it 30 years ago. So it's sort of a um, 30-30 thing. So every year I've averaged a crossing. Ah, now you want this to be part of the official race or you're just going to do it on your own? I'm just going to do it on my own this year. Um, 
you know, between you and I and the audience, <laughs> the, <Yeah>. uh, the, <laughs> the race director decided that uh, I needed to go out and do a hundred in order to qualify. And this was well, who's going to make you qualify. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I told him, you know, I don't think I'm going to do that. So I, I just decided to. Yeah, I'll go back and do it on my own, which I have done numerous times. And I, I quite enjoy that because um, it's kind of a hybrid version where I'll take a baby jogger out there and maybe do 20 or 30 miles. And then Heather will drift in and just resupply me. And um, so it's not a true self-contained solo, but it makes it a lot easier on her. And it's kind of nice to be out there and and have that solitude you know, nobody buzzing around or anything bothering you. So uh, it's, it's a good way to connect with Heather, my wife. Right. God bless her. She's a saint. Indeed. Indeed she is. And I like that style, Marshall, uh, because otherwise the crew is just, it's just a little over the top what they have to do. Yeah. So if you're pushing a little baby jogger with water in it, of course, you can resupply yourself and then she comes and gives you Kind of like aid station type right. support. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like this. So the, the RD is making you qualified to enter the race. You're, you've done it literally unsupported before. And you've also done the Badwater Quad. You went there and back and back again. Right. Yeah. And once again, it's, that hadn't been done. And it was just a challenge. Yeah, I can't remember exactly how many miles it is. If you take uh, 146 times four, what is that? Uh, I don't know, 580 some miles or something like that. So I just, yeah, I just, it, it it's a good way to entertain myself and other people that watch you, right? Well, entertainment <laughs> would be one adjective. Uh, we're we're trying to roll with that, okay. Marshall. <laughs> so where are you now you if i recall you're spending winters in arizona or southern california for god but are you up in denver now actually i'm in evergreen i wasn't up in idaho springs and we still have that house up there uh that's at ten thousand four hundred feet so it was excellent training for like mountaineering uh but as i get older i find and i don't know if you find this you know, maybe you're an anomaly or something. But as I get older, it's a little bit tougher to recover. And if you have less oxygen, it's tougher yet. So I'm down in Evergreen now and have been here for about five years. Gotcha. Well, I'm not sure how it's, it was. You and I happen to be the same age. We do. And I'm looking at, yeah, and I'm looking at the uh, <laughs> photograph that you submitted, which will be on the website, of course, and in the show notes. But this photograph is looked it's like it's from your high school yearbook. So what's up with this photo, Marshall? I'm feeling a little intimidated by this photo here. Yeah, well, you know, Photoshop is a wonderful thing. But <laughs> you should subscribe to that also. Uh, yeah, nope. Um, if you look at the cover on uh, both feet on the ground, of course, I'm a little bit shabbier looking and I've got a beard. And uh, that's more like what I look. So uh, don't let that, okay. that picture fool you or the audience either. Um, okay. Yep. Feel a little better about myself now. Thank you. <laughs> and of course, uh, if the pandemic continues, we're all going to have shoulder length hair another year. 
So, uh, but Colorado's opening up again. So we'll probably be able to go and get a haircut here at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's the least of everybody's worries, right? I agree completely. So I want to stay with this. Uh, you're, you go back so far. You've done a lot of races, of course, done a lot of adventure races. Um, and obviously a lot of these projects. And I asked you what keeps you going. And you, you said, well, you're just out having fun. So does this mean you, you just really enjoy that solitude and just getting, putting one foot in the front of the other and keeping on going? I mean, what, delve into this a little bit for me, Marsh. I mean, how does one do these massive distances? Yeah, I think you, I think you have to be pretty comfortable within your own skin. And, you know, I just like going out there and not, you know, having a lot of distractions, you know, um, dings or whatever coming off of my uh, cell phone. So, you know, a lot of times I'll just leave that behind. But yeah, I like the sal uh, solitude. And of course, you know, Death Valley is the epitome of that, where you'll go out and you've got, uh, you know, dark skies. It's one of the few places where you can see dark skies in the U.S., uh, as well as, you know, the the void of noise and, and sounds and things like that. So, you know, you can just go out there and just kind of be at peace with yourself. And I think that is a big part of what motivates me to just return to that. Uh, it's It's like going within. Uh, instead of going, well, when you go outside, you go within, basically. And that's that's the way I like to put it. Nice. Well, a good friend, actually, a well-known person, Tony Krapichka. Sure. Is, is spoke, he's spoken about boredom. Yeah. And boredom is overlooked. Boredom is key. And like you just said, when you we opened this conversation, you don't like a lot of gadgets. And the science on that now is corroborates what you were saying, Marshall. People are never bored. They're constantly surrounding themselves with their phone, yeah. and the phone is constantly feeding them things that probably don't matter whatsoever. While if you allow one to get, become bored, space opens up. Rather than becoming restriction, boredom is spacious because you can drop into whatever is really happening, and as soon as you let that go and let that unfold, it turns out there's a lot there. Yeah, there is. And yeah, you use the term boredom and, you know, people would think that you'd be very bored out there. And take, for instance, when I was running across the U.S., I'd be out there running for 17, 18 hours a day. And it was very easy to occupy my time. And I I call it sort of a it's it's like a time warp or whatever that you get into and the time passes really quickly. And guess what? If time is passing quickly, most generally you're having a great time, uh, even though you may be out there entirely by yourself. So I think you're absolutely right. Boredom, the uh, hidden key that unlocks many, uh, many opportunities, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you uh, going back to Leadville, you just mentioned Leadville a minute ago, and you did the Leadville Triple Crown. Ah, so I'm going to stop you right there because <laughs> you were the one, and I'm sure you remember this. I, I don't know. I think I gave you a phone call. I don't think I, I talked to you in person, but this is way back when we were actually using wired, hardwired phones, and we didn't really have 
you know, the big old clunky cell phones yet or anything like that. And I gave you a phone call because I had heard that you had uh, concocted this event where you'd go out and do the Leadville bike, the Leadville run, and then a kayak around. And I don't know if you specified it had to be Turquoise Lake, but 100 miles around the lake. Am I correct? You are totally correct. Yeah. And so I came to you and I said, Buzz, you know, please. <laughs> I was a last place finisher at the bike and uh, I had pretty lackluster run. And I thought to myself, what can I do to redeem myself? So this was on consecutive weekends. I did the run, the bike, and then I dropped a kayak into Turquoise Lake and paddled around that thing 10 times. And the circumference is over 10 miles, just over 10 miles. So I had to hug the shore and did a hundred mile paddle. That is a fantastic story. We can get into this because it illustrates so much. <clears throat> that was indeed my idea. And I proposed it and I was trying to talk Ken and Mary Lee into making it official. Ken and uh, Clover, of course, the sure. race director of Leadville. And they wouldn't go for it. This is when AR adventure racing was going strong. I thought, hey, this would be great. This would keep you at the top of the heap. But they wouldn't go for it. And you heard about it and you did it. And I really, really appreciate that. But what's more, this is kind of important. You didn't just do it. You asked me first, which is such integrity, such honor, right? Well, I, I don't know if it is. That, that's that's <laughs> that's just the way it should be, correct? And, and <laughs> you know, I think more extraordinary is the fact that you were gracious enough to say, you know, go ahead, have at it. So, um, you know, I and if you would have said, no, I want to do it uh, myself, I, I would have backed off and not, not done it. Well, again, I think that's a, a great story, Marshall, because in climbing, that's like you just said, that is standard or should be standard procedure. If someone is working on a route, a friend of mine, Eric Dow, was working on a difficult route up on the Diamond at Long's Peak over the span of a couple of years, and he wasn't getting it done, but no one else would go up there and do it. Yeah. And finally, he let go of it, and Tommy Calderell went up there and did it. But he wasn't going to do that until Eric had said, hey, I don't got it. Sure. And so I think ethics, right? Because after all, who cares what we do? You know, I mean, It's not that important. But how we feel about it, how we behave toward others and the style, I think, does matter. It, yeah, it really does. And, you know, you may know I do quite a lot of speaking and mostly, believe it or not, it's on cruise, cruise ships and people, you know, say, how, how do you stand it? And it's like, I like it. You know, I can go down and run anytime I want on the deck or whatever. But one of the presentations that uh, I give is a performance success equation. And if you can envision this pyramid and at the very bottom uh, is where you start and there's a tier there that uh, everything springs from it. And it's based upon ethics, morals, values. Nothing else can happen in my book unless you've got those. Ah, values and vision and ethics are at the bottom of the pyramid. Yep. Uh, they're the foundation for everything that at least, you know, I do. And, you know, of course, I'm so presumptuous as to say other people should, too. 
Right. Presumptuous is not a word I might use. I was calling you out for uh, the I, the high degree of integrity you were showing, and you kind of just went, yeah, well, that's how it's supposed to be done. Yeah, right. <laughs> Once again, there it is. People who are hardcore do not think they are. It's just normalcy to them. And you are giving us many examples of that. Well, thanks. Yeah, I appreciate you're, that. You're welcome. Well, and you're a good what example a, of that too, Buzz. Well, thanks, Marshall. You're but, the epitome of a gentleman. Well, I <laughs> I try to deny that at every opportunity. <laughs> of course you do. Now, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> adventure racing. So a lot of people don't realize that Eco Challenge, that was the creation of Mark Burnett. And he re he learned this uh, from the Rad Gaulois, a French which event uh, which really was an adventure race in that there was almost no rules. They just said, okay, go out and do a bunch of stuff. You're on your own. And you know, people are interacting with locals and figuring things out, the Rad Galois. And then he kind of formatted that, if you will, standardized it, turned it into a watchable, a package, packageable, multi-sport, multi-day event and called it the Eco Challenge. And it it went gangbusters. It was the top of the heat for numerous years. The Discovery Channel aired it, and uh, they got a lot of viewers. Right. Yep. So yeah, in the adventure racing, even before the Raid Galois, it uh, it originated actually uh, with New Zealand. Yes, exactly. Southern Traverse. <laughs> yeah. So you you know you're well aware of that. Uh, so it even goes back further, but. Yeah, Mark Burnett, of course, popularized it. And when it was almost at its height, he just kind of put it on the back shelf because, of course, Survivor came along and became hugely successful. And now you've got The Apprentice, The Voice, you know, Mark Burnett is, is behind all of those. And so with this most recent one that we did in Fiji, it returned back to Fiji this year. And incidentally, there'll be a Amazon Prime 10 part series that should air right around September. Uh, so we went to Fiji, we did another one and he's kind of passed the baton to Bear Grylls and he is the host of the show. So Mark Burnett is, is passing the torch, but He's still deeply involved with it. Well, I think this is a fun story because Mark Burnett, uh, Eco Challenge, huge money. And then a lot of people don't realize that he was Survivor, as you just noted. Yep. Mark Burnett invented reality TV. He did. He did. You <laughs> can mean, attribute that I mean, to him. Yeah. Yeah, he changed the world of uh, programming forever. Real reality TV is everywhere now, and it was Mr. Adventure Racer who did it. Yeah, no, that's that's very, very true. But um, I have a great story, Buzz, that I have to share with you. So I have you a good- probably have more than one. Well, it could be. But, uh, <laughs> and I probably shouldn't be telling you this, but I'm going to, and I'll probably get sued for it or whatever, but I doubt that. But Mark Burnett- uh, the first eco challenge, he went out and had somebody who was setting help him set the course, and that was Isaac Wilson. And Isaac Wilson also raced on my team two or three times, so I got to know Isaac very well. And I, I asked Isaac, I said, how how did he afford that? How did Mark Burnett afford that? Because I know at that time he didn't have that much money. And 
Isaac said, well, we're flying around, you know, in a helicopter and we're going over these slot canyons. And I asked him that question and he said, you know, Isaac, what I did, I went out and applied for every credit card that I could. And I had about a million dollars worth of debt. And that first, uh, that first eco challenge was taken on by, or um, it was televised by MTV, I believe it was. And then it went to, of course, Discovery Channel. But he maxed out his credit cards, and that's how he pulled it off. Wow. <laughs> that takes guts. Co commitment works, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it? It does, and look where he is now. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, there's there's a genius behind that. Yeah, but, uh, you know, that's that's – that takes a lot of guts, man. It did. Well, that's a good story. The Southern Traverse, right. You and I both knew that the multi-day multi-sport really invented in New Zealand. The, the Kiwis are just, they are hardcore. This is not in doubt. It's, it's a way of <laughs> life. Course, it's a way of life. Right. Yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, they, they started the, the Southern Traverse, you know, they could get like 100 people to sign up tomorrow who were able to do it. Just the people just, you know, walk out of the woodwork to do that. But it was full on. That was sport. Mark did something else. You know what I mean? You do know what I mean. Sure. He made it a show. Yep. And so they had the top teams, but then he always had the show teams. Yeah. And someone they had the story to tell. And so Discovery could dive into this person's backstory. They're overcoming cancer. Their cat just died or something. And they made it a, a spectacle. And the Southern Traverse was just great sport. Right. It was pure sport. Uh, and you're right. And I don't know if it's good or bad, but a lot of the focus was on teams that uh, uh, were falling apart. You know, of course, that's that's where, you know, the survivor concept, I I think, came from where, you know, somebody's at somebody else's throat on the team and, you know, they blow apart. And for some odd reason, people love to see that. I don't necessarily like to see that sort of thing, but uh, that's that's what makes the world go around. Um, and, you know, Mark Burnett was a huge success capitalizing upon that. He sure was. That's a good point. People love other people's misery. <laughs> Unfortunately, sometimes. <laughs> Indeed. Now, the recent Fiji, another person, of course, you're going to know exactly who I'm talking about, made a comeback there also, and that was Danelle Ballinger. Right. And she was on Mark Macy, uh, Travis Macy's team, uh, you know, very, very strong team. But uh, yeah, and Danelle's got quite a story too, uh, you know, a survival story where, you know, she had fallen off of a cliff of sorts or whatever and broke her pelvis and... Uh, Gosh, what was that, 10 years ago or so? And she came back, and she is tough as nails. <laughs> they call her Nelly like, you know, she's you know, some sort of old, old horse or something like that. Oh, man, don't. <laughs> Nelly is tough. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, she was a guest on this podcast about uh, one year ago. Yes. So I'll put that, maybe I'll, I'll reference that in the show notes in case someone wants to look up nice, that conversation nice. with Nellie. Because it was her dog, Taz, yep. just like Lassie, ran back and started barking at the rescuers and led them back because she would not have lasted another night. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's quite an extraordinary 
story. So, uh, yeah, and she's a delightful person. I mean, it's just I can't say enough good things about her. Oh, hey, everybody that's involved in the sport is that right? Is is that way right, Buzz? <laughs> everybody. <laughs> no, it's it's true. I mean, uh, for the most part, everybody is very down to earth, and I think a lot of it has to do, you know, with the ultra marathoning, the adventure racing, the uh, mountaineering. Everybody's pulling for everybody else because they're all kind of like we are now with this COVID-19. We're all in this together. And it's such a difficult uh, uh, time, if you will, or, you know, if you're out there in an ultra marathon or something, the difficulty sort of brings people together and helps them root for each other, which I like very much. Right. Good point. Uh, if you're running a mile, you know, it's kind of, on the track, it's every person for themselves. Well, if you're running a hundred, eh, you know, someone drops their their gel packet, you're gonna, you know, pick it up and hand it back to them. Right. Yep. And of course, AR, that's in the rules. You can't get more than a certain distance apart, and so you have to finish as a team. So if if one person is struggling, everybody slows down. So AR is very good to promulgate that. Right. Right. And. Uh... I like that sport because, take for instance, I have my strengths, you know, that would be, uh, of course, just movement uh, on my feet. I can, you know, carry a certain, certain, you know, heavier weights and things like that. So I'm kind of the pack mule. And then take, for instance, Mark Macy, when he was on the team, he uh, saved me from myself when I was trying to swim. Um, and then Adrian Crane, of course, uh, we raced the last one with him. He was the navigator, so that was his skill. So everybody has their skill set, and if you combine them all, you become a very unified, strong team. Right, and it's uh, what's the word? Conceptually, ideally, adventure racing is one of the best sports there is. I. I, thank you for reminding me of that, Marshall. I appreciate that because I've done a few, no eco challenges. And I, I would get a little put off by sometimes nicknaming it the equipment challenge because there is a lot of equipment. Oof. But yeah. Yeah. yeah no. But the concept is brilliant, really. It is. Um, yeah, we we just loved it. And I think it's a little like, uh, you know, when you're out there doing multi-day sports, you know, when you were doing uh, the Continental Divide, the Colorado Trail, if you will. Um, after about two or three days, adventure racing is very much the same. And I'm sure you'll probably agree with this. It it kind of becomes a way of life and it becomes embedded in you. It's, uh, you know, just keeping that focus going forwards. Uh, but when you reach the end of the task, it's kind of sad to see it go and you feel a little bit out of sorts for a while when you get back into the mainstream. Right. Yeah. The, uh, the uh, out there part becomes normal and then you come back into your so-called regular life and that feels abnormal. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Very well put. Wow. Okay. That's a good one, Marshall. So my question always is, what's next? You've done so much. Again, and, uh, this, this CV here is two pages long of solid events. But what is next? How do you see yourself? Are you going to 
drift off in the sunset. You mentioned that you're going to do another crossing. Yeah, do another crossing. And, you know, the other thing I'd like to do, there's a lot of people who would like to cross Death Valley. And so I would like to get a group of maybe two or three or four people, somebody who is really wanting to do it, but take, for instance, can't qualify for the race or whatever, and just take people across, maybe, you know, a couple of people a year and do that. Uh, the Eco Challenge, I think, will continue on. I think they had a two-year contract, so um, I shouldn't say where it's going to be, although I can suspect where it is going to be. So I'll, I'll, hopefully I can go back and do that again. And incidentally, our catch uh, for this last Eco Challenge in Fiji is our average age was just under 66. So by far, we were the oldest. I can remember when um, I think it was 2012 when the last Eco Challenge in Fiji took place. And then, of course, Survivor took off and the rest is history. We were the oldest team then and our average age was 52. <laughs> well, you're you're holding some serious records here. So oh, I don't know if it's a record. <laughs> it's, I don't know if it's to be proud of, but we're still there. <laughs> oh, you are indeed. So, at age six, average age of sixty-six, how did your team do in Fiji? Well, I can't I can't divulge because that's part of the oh. that's part of the catch. So uh, you're totally yeah. right. You're under contract. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it it will be so worth watching, and they are going to focus on some great things. One of them being, um, you know, Mark Mason. I'm sure he wouldn't mind uh, me saying that he has Alzheimer's disease, uh, but his team helping him through that. Nelly was was one of those team members, so it's an extraordinary story, and uh, I can almost say for sure that they, they they will be covered so there's some great stories out there uh so they'll 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 uncover throughout that 10-part series as well as how yeah. how we did when does that air we're thinking it's september that's what we're hearing so it's almost a year in the making it takes quite a long time for them to to uh, go through and edit everything and where will that be found It'll be on Amazon Prime. It's an Amazon Prime um, uh, special, if you will. Good, good. I, that means it's free to most of us. I think it will. Very good. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm on that one. Thank you for the heads up. And I actually forgot about it. Nellie told me about it. Didn't tell me how they did, but told me she was the, over there. And then I forgot. So thank you for that reminder. Sure. Yep. Okay, so we'll see you on TV here in about four months, four or five months, and you we can read your book. So listeners, again, go to the website, Both Feet on the Ground, which Marshall definitely does have. And uh, away we go, Marshall. Oh, good luck. So you're going to do your crossing, your 30th crossing this July, you think? I think so. I hope so. Yeah, wait for the hottest day of the year, and there you go. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's all good. Well, I, <laughs> I look forward to our next conversation, Marshall. Thank you very well, much. Well, thank you for having me, Buzz. It's, it's been fantastic, and we've had an incredible journey so far, and I hope it continues on. 